How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome to the High Vibration Living Podcast. I'm your host, Chef Whitney Aronoff, founder of Starseed Kitchen and High Vibration Foods. Join me for conversation where we learn about food, wellness, beauty, travel, and spiritual concepts for high vibration living. Only you know what your body needs. Let this be the reminder that you have the power to tap in and know the food, self-care, and spiritual practices that will best serve you. I will be sharing my knowledge and learning with you from experts providing insight into nourishing all the layers of you, the physical, emotional, spiritual, and etheric bodies, so you can feel your best and live your dreams. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the High Vibration Living Podcast. I'm your host, Chef Whitney Aronoff, founder of Starseed Kitchen and High Vibration Foods. This is a great episode about the one and only chocolate, which I know you guys love. And this is with a brand that I've been enjoying for a very long time, Addictive Wellness. I know you guys have probably seen the box before. It's a little square white box with a unicorn on it. And they have a variety of different colors that have to do with the adaptogens that are mixed with the chocolate. So that way you're getting a better quality raw cacao with adaptogens that are really going to help your body adapt to whatever stresses that you have in your life. So I'm interviewing Sage Dammers, who is the co-founder, CEO, product formulator, and chocolatier of Addictive Wellness. He has been fueled by a passionate desire to help people live the ultimate life and create a better world. And he began as a teenager seeking out information that really no mainstream school could offer in the areas of nutrition and traditional herbal systems of indigenous cultures. He built his knowledge of superfood nutrition and traditional herbal systems, especially Taoist tonic herbalism. He has worked with and trained under the world's leading master herbalist and nutritionist and longevity experts in Costa Rica, Australia, Bali, China, and America. This is a really interesting episode because we also talk about the different varieties of cacao and how many chocolates out there are being made with essentially GMO chocolate. Um, and their company is using real wild sourced cacao in the jungles of, I believe, Ecuador. Addictive Wellness, their chocolate has a variety of adaptogenic super herbs. So you're going to find things that are going to support beauty, mind, calm, overall health. We talk a lot about magnesium in chocolate, the myth that it's keeping you up at night if you eat it too late. Their chocolate is sugar-free, and we talk about the variety of sugar-free ingredients that are on the market, what to look for, what to avoid. Their chocolate is also keto, vegan, paleo, and mitotoxin-free, and that's a big thing that's coming up these days is chocolate and the mold situation. So we get into all of that. If you're a chocolate lover, 
or have a sweet tooth, you're going to enjoy. I also have in the show notes for you a link for ordering their chocolate online and getting 10% off with the code Whitney Aronoff, just my full name. You can pick up this chocolate if you're at Erewhon in Los Angeles, but of course, if you cannot get to LA, you can order it online and it's just as good there. So without further ado, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Let's get our chocolate on. Hi, Sage. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Whitney. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here with you. It is such a treat to finally connect and have a great conversation. I know we've seen each other over the years at Expo West, and I love what you guys are doing. So tell me more about how you decided to combine adaptogens and chocolate and what made you launch Addictive Wellness. The the combination of adaptogens and chocolate for me came from growing up, fortunately, kind of in and around the health world. So I, I was very lucky to have kind of an early start into my health journey, whereas a lot of people, unfortunately, don't get to start their health journey until health problems find them. But for me, in my teen years, I was seen um, in my parents' wellness center. They had a wellness center in Westlake Village, California with infrared saunas and jade massage beds. Like back in the early 2000s, before people were really even talking about this stuff, mm-hmm. now it's everywhere, right? But going back to then, I kind of would see these people come in with back problems, different health issues, kidney issues, prostate issues, headaches, fatigue, Lyme disease, like whatever you can imagine. I saw people dealing with it and they were mostly in the 50s, 60s, and I would see them get better. I would see them have these massive health transformations. And it got me thinking, well, what if I got onto doing some of this now before all these problems find me? How long can I stay out ahead of them? And what could this mean, not just for my longevity, but for the potential of the cool things that I can get to do in my life if I can have 80 or 90 years of really robust health or maybe even more? How many more amazing experiences can I have? How much more time can I spend with you know children and grandchildren? How many more cool places can I go in the world? And so I got onto it right from that point. And I realized after a while that if I wanted to share this with other people, I had to put it into a format that they were going to be interested in. When I was in college and would be on a surf trip with my friends in Costa Rica and would, you know, they would see me drinking these superfood smoothies that I would make in my little Nutribullet blender in the corner of the hostel while they were, you know, having their rice and beans and uh, all, you know, chicken and whatever. I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't push it on them, but they would see me staying out and surfing for five, six hours, whereas they were coming in after two hours wanting to, you know, eat and rest. And eventually they said, can you maybe make me one of those to try before we go back out in the water? And this is kind of the moment I had been waiting for. I didn't want, you know, I never wanted to push it onto them, but when they were ready, I was excited to share. So the problem was that my smoothies tasted like dirt, maybe even worse than dirt. Because for me, I didn't care what it tasted like. If it made me feel good, I was drinking it. No problem. I was in it for the feeling. No, no flavor was too gnarly for me, but they could not handle it. They were just like struggling to get it down. Two of them were literally throwing up right afterwards. It was an absolute disaster. And that really got me thinking, okay, my, my plan to just like inspire people and then give them this drink is not working. There's a problem <laughs> with the delivery. <laughs> so I realized if I'm going to have a, a more of a beneficial effect than just enjoying my own life, 
if I'm going to actually be able to share my love and passion for health and nutrition and superfoods and adaptogens with other people, I'm going to have to figure out a way to win on flavor to such an extent that people are going to eat these things and drink these things that I make because they taste so good. And they just so happen to be healthy, but that's not even why they're having them. They're having them because it's an amazing, extraordinary experience. And then the health benefits just happen to be included as a part of the package. So around this time, I had kind of started to learn more about cacao. And it was very strange to me when I first encountered it because most of the superfoods I had come across were things like hemp seeds and chlorella and spirulina. Mm -hmm. And they were all in this category that I had never heard of before I first encountered them as a health food. It's not like I grew up eating spirulina cornflakes and then realized, oh, you just have to separate the spirulina from the cornflakes for it to be healthy. These were in a totally different world. And it was kind of like, if you imagine the Grand Canyon and on one side, you have foods that people traditionally consider to be good for you, but taste horrible. On the other side, you have foods that people consider to be an enjoyable food experience, but they're definitely not healthy. And there's not a lot connecting these two worlds. It's like this huge divide. And cacao was weirdly something that seemed to have a foot in both worlds because it had these amazing nutritional benefits as far as being the highest food source of magnesium, very high in chromium and zinc and iron and having other more interesting, I would say, food properties to it as well in terms of the neurotransmitters like phenethylamine and anandamide, things that really bring about bliss and may even have effects on pushing forward one's consciousness and, 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 and spiritual energies. But at the same time, chocolate is something people have as a, a guilty pleasure like what what's going on here and this is so weird there this doesn't seem to be the case with just about anything else i mean how many other health foods do people in the mainstream world crave and how many junk foods do people in the health food world eat it's like hmm this is an interesting possible gateway drug here and i was also loving these adaptogens and seeing the effects that they were having in my health and loved reading about their traditional knowledge and uses of them but the problem was that a lot of these more medicinal or adaptogenic herbal ingredients have quite strong bitter flavors to them a lot of the time, which are the actual medicinal compounds. And we've pretty much bred those out of our food supply in the West. We've bred out the bitter flavors. You know, you may get it in like, if you have some like dandelion greens or something, but come on, who's putting dandelion greens in their salad for the most part. <laughs> and so we, we have to figure out a way to get these back in. But the adaptogens, they're, they're tough for people because they're not used to these flavors. Our Western palate has become disaccustomed to these more bitter flavors. But weirdly, one bitter flavor that people seem to have accepted and be cool with is the bitter of chocolate. And so it's like, okay, all the pieces are coming together here. We have a great gateway food. Just so happens to be the perfect camouflage to sneak in some of the most powerful adaptogenic herbal compounds in the entire world. This could be amazing. Can we make it sugar-free? Okay. Now we really have something here. So that was kind of the, the entry into my love affair with chocolate that just never stopped. Well, I have to go back and ask what was in your smoothie? Because I'm one of those people that it doesn't have to taste great. If I know if it's good for me, mm -hmm. I'll naturally lean into it. So what was what was in that, that old school smoothie you were feeding your friends? And at this time, I have to preface it by saying, my health knowledge still had a lot of advancing to do. I didn't totally 
know what I was doing in the sense that I was like, I was 18 years old, right? I, I was putting in like just orange juice and some frozen berries. And then I had this um, superfood mix, which is like hemp protein, spirulina, chlorella, some other Western herbs like uh, milk thistle, for example. And so mm. I'd put a big scoop of that in there and then add extra hemp seeds and chia seeds and maca to that. And in, in some cases, also shilajit, which of course is going to, you got to be careful playing with shilajit because there is a risk of ruining the flavor completely of whatever you're doing, but I didn't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to be very careful. There's certain very little flavor combinations that can work with that and can be awesome, but for the most part, it's risky. And so this was so far away from the fast food diet that most of my college friends were very accustomed to and the kind of flavors that they would find in those foods. They weren't quite ready for it. But when I managed to lure them back in with chocolate later on after, you know, I'd made some progress, that was a, a lot more enjoyable of an experience for everybody, I think. The chocolate industry is really evolving. And I think at this time, all the chocolate on the shelf had just traditional sugar in it. Mm -hmm. And it usually had a lecithin. So some sort of soy lecithin or sunflower lecithin, something in there that would cause a lot of digestive issues for people, but was also a preservative to allow the chocolate to stay on the shelves longer. Um, and I want to know when you were looking into making your own chocolate, how did you figure out what ingredients to use? How did you figure out the cacao so you would get that potent health benefit versus um, some sort of more processed cacao that I would say 10 years ago was much more easily found on the shelves. Yeah, the cacao that we use, it's it represents a fraction of 1% of the total cacao supply worldwide. And I, like I said, I kind of grew up in and around the health industry. So I was very lucky from a relatively early age to make some connections in terms of sourcing and spend a good amount of time traveling around the world, making connections with people uh, in, in my early 20s and, and seeking out the most amazing sources of a lot of these different ingredients that I love so much. And in the, the case of cacao, was connected with some folks in Ecuador mm. who were not growing it on a plantation. And they were actually forming a network of people who had access to basically wild rainforest lands where cacao was growing and would go and wild harvest the cacao from these places. And so this is right from the beginning, a very different thing because when you hybridize a plant, like most of the cacao that we see in the world is of two varieties. It's either Forastero or Trinitario. And these are heavily hybridized, designed to grow on a plantation, designed to produce maximum output, designed to grow lower to the ground for easy harvesting. And the quality is not the highest. It's not the worst thing in the world by default, but it's also not really an elite superfood in my opinion. The flavor is also not there. And a lot more of what we see in the world also is a variety called CCN51, which is for absolute maximum output, maximum resistance to any pests or disease, but it has a flavor of what is known as acidic dirt. It is uh, so the 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 big uh, quandary in the cacao world is how do you make the flavor of CCN fifty one work when it should be how do you grow actually a higher quality cacao to begin with? Now with all these varieties, they are mostly uh, heavily hybridized to grow really well in Africa, which is where the majority of cacao production mm. happens these days. But this we want to grow things ideally by this Taoist principle of DDAO, which says that 
if you grow something to maximum strength, you're going to want to grow it in the environment in which it evolved to grow because mm -hmm. it has developed genetically to thrive the most in that environment, to get the most out of that soil, to produce the maximum in that climate. And so where cacao has evolved ancestrally is not Africa. There is no cacao originally in Africa. Uh, they have many other great things, some incredible herbal compounds coming from Africa, but cacao is not one of them. So we go to the original source and then we process the cacao via fermentation first, and then it's sun dried and we don't roast it. That's something that we do that's a little bit unique because we want to preserve the uh, integrity of a lot of the heat sensitive compounds that you might find in cacao. And then from there, it is done in very small batches in a way to really look over it and preserve the integrity. And one of the craziest things is we've managed to have a cacao that is free of mold and mycotoxins. And that's a whole nother rabbit hole we can go down. Yeah. But, um, this really makes for the ultimate starting place to a chocolate because you have the flavor is just totally different when you have something that is grown in mineral rich volcanic soil as opposed and, and living in the wild with that genetic robustness to survive in the wild where it's not protected by a fence and a scarecrow and a monocropped area where all other plants competing for anything are, and, and animals are kept away from it it's out there fighting it's like if you have a kid who grows up with helicopter parents keeping away any Thing that could possibly have any kind of effect whatsoever versus, uh, you know, somebody who grew up with a little bit more adversity and had to rise to the occasion. This is cacao that has had to rise to the occasion. And so it, it makes for a pretty awesome chocolate in, in my potentially biased opinion. What do you think it's doing for your health then? Because it is the natural traditional form. And I often look at the way food grows as to the body parts and organs and systems it's going to support and how it's going to make you feel. What do you think the energetic support that cacao offers people when they consume a high quality version? Well, on a purely mineral level, first of all, I would say that you can't put more nutrients into a food than exist in the soil that it grows in. So one of the big problems with modern agriculture is that the soil is becoming very depleted of nutrients. You can look at this across all kinds of foods. And when compared to the nutrients found in that same species of food 50 years ago, it's a drastic decline, which is very scary. But when you're getting something wild grown, this is not, this is soil that's not been affected by modern agriculture. It's not been depleted of nutrients. It's uh, so, so you're getting the absolute, to me, the absolute maximum potential of what that plant is able to be its ultimate possible realization. Then in terms of energetics, I think there's definitely a different feeling when you're eating a wild food. Uh, this is mm -hmm. something that I, I don't have a study to point you to here. It says, look, oh, these people ate only wild food. These people only domesticated foods. And here's the difference. But I think it's something that everyone could strive towards to have at least one wild food in a day, whether it's cacao or whether it's Brazil nuts or whether it's wild harvested sea vegetables and their salad. Um, it's, it's a great thing to strive for to at least get, get in some wild foods and, and get some of that. Uh, I, I would say like information into your body because food in a sense is information. It's, it's providing nutrients, but it's also instructing your body on what to do via multiple different pathways. And so having a different kind of input coming in is providing a different set of instructions that may 
lead to a more robust state of health, I think, long term. Let's learn a little bit more about chocolate and mold and mitotoxins as people are starting to explore this. Um, why does chocolate have a reputation for having mold? And why is it important to choose a chocolate that you know has been tested and doesn't carry it? Yeah. So mycotoxins, first, just to explain for people for who that may be a totally new word, because it's not really in the in the mainstream standard vocabulary yet, is that these are the metabolic byproducts of mold. So if you've had some mold involved at some point in the production of a food, basically the poop of the mold is mycotoxins. And some people are more sensitive to these than others. They're absolute kryptonite for everybody. They're not. There's no person on earth for whom mycotoxins are beneficial right? But different people are more sensitive than others. Some people genetically can't detoxify them as well. And some people have been um, experiencing mold illness if they've been in a moldy home or something like that and have become through this extremely sensitive. So different people will have different levels of reactivity, but they are toxic on all levels. They're, they're toxic to the brain. They're toxic to your nervous system. They can cause uh, issues for the gut and really disrupt the gut microbiome. And it's a huge problem with many foods. Um, grains are another food that have a huge problem with mycotoxins. Coffee is another one. Um, grains, for example, they store them in these huge grain silos and think, oh, it's perfectly being preserved. Really, you're just going to leave it out there for how many months and just think that it's cool. But uh, so there's issues with many foods, but cacao is one of the big ones and cacao and, and, and chocolate products and pretty much any chocolate product that you look at is going to have some level of mold and mycotoxins. Some companies will go and say, oh, we're mold free because they've heat processed the chocolate. And by processing with heat, you can destroy the mold. Problem is the mycotoxins are still there. It's like um, if you go to a, a scene of a, a, a crime and you say, oh, we got the bad guy, but the crime is already done. The, you know, the, the damage is there. The, the, um, it may be not the perfect metaphor. I got to work on that one a little bit, <laughs> but uh, there's like, you haven't gotten rid of the mycotoxins. Oh, okay. Here's the, yeah. here's the better one. Somebody's planted a bomb in your house and they say, oh, we got the guy who did it, but you didn't take away the bomb. Then that, it's still, it's still a real issue. Um, yeah. So, so um, with the way that our chocolate is processed, it's, it's a combination of factors. I think it, it starts from the genetic robustness, first of all, of those trees that they've evolved to survive in the wild, meaning they've evolved to fight off pests and, and different harmful organisms, whether it's different molds or bacteria or, or fungi and thrive in that environment. Then you have the, the way that it's processed in small batches and not in these you know mega batches of huge chocolate industry where they're able to really control things, keep it all cleaner, keep it uh, really hygienic. And then we end up with something that's just absolutely quite unique and magical. And I just, I feel so grateful to, to have come across this and be able to share this with people. Well, you guys do chocolate that's considered sugar-free and some people get excited when they hear that. And some people get warning signs because they've heard a lot of bad things about sugar-free products. So mm -hmm. what are ingredients that allow natural things to be sweet like chocolate without using chemical sugar-free ingredients. Yeah. I would say that just to begin, just like in the world of chocolate, how most chocolate's not good for you. Most sugar-free things aren't good for you, but at the, at the top echelon of this world, there's something that can be absolutely amazing. 
Same with the world of sugar-free sweeteners. We're not talking about using ACE-K or, or, or sucralose or aspartame or, or any of these kind of things. No, not using sorbitol, which causes disaster for so many people. I would say the top healthy uh, sugar-free sweeteners would be mm -hmm. stevia, xylitol, uh, allulose, monk fruit, and pentose. In the right circumstances, I would group erythritol in there. There was a big uh, smear campaign on erythritol earlier in the year, but I think that was really heavily misrepresented and misinterpreted. It's not a sweetener that we use in any of our products, um, but basically they looked at was erythritol present in the systems of people who had certain health issues. Problem is that if you're overweight and obese, your body produces erythritol. So they were saying that, oh, erythritol is here. And they didn't look at their dietary consumption of erythritol. They just looked at erythritol levels in their body. And so it was there almost certainly as a result of their health problems rather than as the cause. So that's, uh, you know, another story, but you have to be really careful when, when they, you, you, you will sometimes see stories come out about something that people said was healthy for you. And then it's found to be not, and sometimes it's genuine, but you also have to read a little bit more into the details because sometimes, especially these days, people are just chasing headlines and the clickbait. And it's just one of the challenges in the modern world. We have the internet, which is such a great tool to get so much information, but it's not always correctly represented. Hi, I'm chef Whitney Aronoff. As a personal chef, I created custom organic spices for my clients. These blends are of the highest quality with no added sugar, MSG, caking agents, or any junk. I want you to have the same access to good quality seasonings, which is why I've launched my line of organic spice blends. High Vibration Foods by Starseed Kitchen is my collection of chef-crafted organic spice blends made with only good-for-you ingredients. I use organic source spices, ancient mineral-rich Redmond Real Salt, prepare the blends listening to Kundalini Mantra music, then charge the jars with the quartz Giza crystals for a true high vibration experience. You can now purchase my most requested blend, 11 Magic Herbs and Spices, on starseedkitchen.com. Use code STARSEED for 10% off your purchase. Can't wait for you to enjoy. So how did you figure out what type of sugar or sugar-free product you wanted to use? So I opted in our chocolates for the combination of birch xylitol and specifically from birch because you can also get xylitol made from corn, but then you have concerns about uh, being genetically modified corn or being glyphosate sprayed. So we get it exclusively made from birch trees. And then we also use a special non-bitter organic stevia. Um, there's still like a 2% of people who have an extreme sensitivity to stevia flavor. They just, I guess they've overdeveloped that one taste bud that picks up stevia and it just overwhelms their system. But most people who even come to us and say, I don't like stevia, they try our chocolate and like, oh, that doesn't taste like stevia. And so it, it can be done in a really clean tasting way. And I bring together multiple sweeteners instead of just one, because when you have traditional sugar, I kind of think of it as playing a chord on a, on a piano or another musical instrument where you're hearing multiple notes, multiple sweet notes that are in harmony together and create this full spectrum of sweetness. But what you have a lot of times with sugar-free sweeteners is that they're just playing one note really loud. And so that's why sometimes they can, people say like, it tastes sweet, but it also tastes weird. But when you put multiple of these together in combination, and there's also a little sweetness coming from the 
Peruvian lucuma fruit that we use in our chocolates. Helps cream them and give them this kind of vanilla caramel flavor to it as well. When you have multiple of these individual notes, well, now possibly you're forming a chord again, and you can create that full, well-rounded, sweet flavor to it. Well, let's talk about adaptogens. And I'd love to know just in general, what adaptogens do you like to trickle into your diet throughout the week? Whether in a beverage or in a meal, what do you actually like to consume? A lot. Now, before I go into this list, <laughs> keep in mind that this is what I do for a living. So I'm going to have be having more than the average person. And I also have a whole shelf of them with, you know, a whole row of bottle and bottle and bottle and bottle at home. This could easily be something that overwhelms the average person. And I don't want anybody to think that, oh, that's way too much. I could never do all of that. You could pick any one adaption that I mentioned in this list and just take that one thing and it could have a radically transformative effect on your health. So you don't need all of these. I'm just a super geek and I love to go wild and it's my business and it's something that is one of my biggest passions in life. So over the course of an average week, I think I'll have reishi mushroom, lion's mane mushroom, tremella mushroom, uh, cordyceps, chaga mushroom, astragalus, um, albizia flower, white peony, white attractolodes, blue butterfly flower, black ginger, uh, cistanch, rumania, hoshuwu, eucomia, uh, ashwagandha, we, you know, the list goes on and on. It's, uh, but it's, it's, I would say at least 20 different adaptogens in the average week, because like I said, I'm a, I'm a super nerd when it comes to this stuff and I just get really no, excited. No, I'm about so it. impressed <laughs> you were able to rattle that off. I love it. Um, I got into adaptogens super early 2000s. Like I think I started taking them in. Oh, wow. You're really ahead of your time. Yeah, like really, really early. Um, and I started with ashwagandha and it's ashwagandha and moringa. Those are the two yeah. that I always have in my pantry. And I just listen when it's time to take it. And I simply just add it to some hot water and enjoy it. Um, but what are, you know, a lot of people are craving chocolate these days. Mm -hmm. I think like more than ever. And I don't know if it's because they need the extra heart opener Mm -hmm. or just the extra feeling of love in their heart or the grounding, because I believe chocolate provides those three feelings. It can open your heart. It can make you feel more in your heart and it can help ground you to the earth when you um, are a little stressed and too much in your head. Yeah. Um, are there, are there certain adaptogens that you like to add to your chocolate to help support people in those feelings that they naturally get just from the cacao alone? Absolutely. And I think you're totally right. There's very few, if any other foods that change your state on a physical, mental, and spiritual level as much as chocolate. Like what else does that? I mean, it's mm -hmm. very, very rare. And so to your, to your first question, uh, why are we craving it? Um, I think there's quite a few reasons. One would be we live in a world of, of great uncertainty these days and in a world of uncertainty, chocolate tends to be pretty consistent and reliable and always loves you back. And so it's like you, when you open that bar of chocolate and you crack open that bar of chocolate, you kind of know what you're going to get. And it's almost always pretty awesome. Um, and it's, it's also like this rare connection, like as we were talking about earlier, between pleasure and health food. So it's something where people can actually get some real benefits from it and have an awesome experience all at the same time. And it's 
also having psychological effects in terms of the, the bliss compounds that you find in it, you know, the phenethylamine and the anandamide and the serotonin, things that just make you feel better, brighten up the world around you. You know, like with serotonin, if your serotonin levels are low, everything could be perfect in the world and it's going to seem gloomy to you and you're going to be down. If your serotonin levels are high, things could be going to hell all around you and you're going to be like, okay, well, this is pretty crazy. What a wild time to live in. Let's figure out some solutions. We can do this. So it, it, it's an empowering food, I think, in that sense. If you're in a rough situation, chocolate, it can get you one step closer to a solution. It might not solve every problem in the world, but it's going to push you in that right direction. And in terms of taking this forward, you know, people can use chocolate for a lot of purposes and to advance a lot of things. So in our line of chocolates, instead of doing different flavors, you know, you see most chocolate companies have 30 different flavors of chocolate. Mm -hmm. What I decided to do is instead do different functions because I really wanted this chocolate to be about highlighting the power of these different adaptogenic herbs. So we do one chocolate for beauty, one chocolate for relaxation, one chocolate for energy, one for focus, one for immunity. And so chocolate can have benefits in pretty much all of these areas, but with the formulation of herbs that we choose to use in each one, we're really focusing it in a particular direction. So for example, chocolate can be great for stress relief heavily because of the magnesium in there and some of the neurotransmitter type compounds. And then we have tranquility chocolate, which has reishi mushroom, which is probably the best herb at quieting the mind and opening the heart, getting, you know, getting you out of thinking and into feeling. And then we have ashwagandha in there and also hoshu wu, which is one of the ultimate herbs when it comes to grounding. It's, um, mm. it's an herb that really builds what the Taoists call the yin jing energy, which is like your deep core reserves that get, deplete, that get depleted when you are burning the candle at both ends for a bit too long. This is really good advice that we can all use, whether we eat chocolate or not. So I'm taking notes. Oh, <laughs> I'm taking notes. <laughs> I think a lot of us have hit a point of, God, that deep reserve being used up. And like, how do we refill the tank? And there's a lot of different ways that we can do that, you know, through walks and time in nature and massage and, and all these activities. But sometimes we just need to look at simple things like how can we add something to our diet to make us feel better to restore our tanks? Right. There's so many things that you can do to advance your health and, and restore yourself in a positive direction. I think it's about taking stock of what tools are available to you and then mm -hmm. deciding what's practical for your life. Because somebody might say, you know, I love spending time in nature and I have an hour whenever I can go for a walk in nature every day. Awesome. That's super. I'm a hundred percent for that. Maybe somebody says, I don't have time. I don't have time for anything. I have work. I have kids. My life is insanity, but I drink coffee every morning. Okay. I'm not even going to try to take away your coffee, but could we add reishi mushroom and ashwagandha and hoshu blended into that coffee in a way that might even make it more delicious and will be restoring you at the same time. So you can take almost any dish. And, I, and this is something that you do as a master chef as well. You can take any dish that somebody's having and there's a way to make it better. And not that you have to spend a ton of time doing this. It can be done almost effortlessly, but you can put together strategies on, okay, here is this thing I'm eating. How can I take it a little bit further? How can I incorporate mm -hmm a seriously powerful ingredient or two in there 
that take it from being something just nutritional to actually being medicinal in nature. Yes, it's always looking at how nutrient dense can I get this? How can I get more bang for my buck from from my food or anything that I consume? Exactly. Like, you know, let's let's say um, as an example that somebody is okay. So the other night for dinner, my girlfriend made a, a, a butternut squash soup. What it was amazing, butternut squash, very nutritious, fantastic. Um, and then into there, we added astragalus and lion's mane. So. This is things that it doesn't have to be that you consume adaptogens as a as a specific dedicated thing on its own. You can work it in you, once you get to know them a little bit and understand their different flavors. Some of them play really nicely, and um, these these are definitely two of those that you can work in. And astragalus, it's a great energy and immune tonic. Lion's mane mushroom is great for the brain and for your neurological health and preventing aging of the brain and also optimizing current functioning of the brain. So. It's, it's, uh, just, it's almost like it becomes a game after a while. Like, what can I sneak in here? What can I sneak in there? So how much did you guys add and how did it change the flavor? Uh, in terms of incorporating the herbs, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it's, it's, uh, a, it varies a little bit for each one. Cause some of the herbs are of different potency and, and extraction, um, concentrations and others, but it's similar to what you would have in taking a couple capsules of supplement, basically per serving of the chocolate. And it definitely, you have to be careful because some herbs don't go well with the flavor of chocolate. Yeah. For example, I really wanted in our focus chocolate to put rhodiola, but it has a specific flavor note that just would overpower the entire chocolate and it became the feature and it was, you didn't really taste much else. Shizandra berry, I would have loved to put into our beauty chocolate because it's one of the greatest all time beauty enhancing herbs, but it has so much sour flavor to it that it jumps out too much. On the other hand, if you were making a lemonade and you wanted to put shizandra in there, or if you're making a berry smoothie and you want to put shizandra in there, that goes great. It just doesn't play nicely with chocolate. Fascinating. So some things go well with chocolate, some things go well with smoothies, some things go well with soups, and it's almost trial and error to figure out what works with your palate. Exactly. What works with your palate and, and, and what will blend with the other flavors there. And it's with it's not only like this with adaptogenic herbs, it's like this with other foods too. Like you wouldn't try to put a you know pieces of a chocolate bar in a salad. It's just it's a, just a too weird. <laughs> There's things that oh this goes there and this goes there and well we don't really put them together. They're amazing on their on, you know on their own. And so it's it's just it becomes kind of a strategy game of what fits, what fits. Sometimes in the process of experimentation and something will be gross, but you just chalk it up to experience. Absolutely. Well, I'd like to ask um, a few more kind of myths around chocolate before we wrap up. And one is, so you keep mentioning the benefit of magnesium in chocolate and how it's a great source of magnesium for us. And we know magnesium is great for joints, for bowel movements, for sleep. But then there's that myth that if you eat chocolate too late, you won't be able to sleep. Is it the chocolate? Is it the sugar? What is it that affects the sleep? The sugar can definitely affect the sleep and the chocolate may affect the sleep. It depends on the individual's genetics, most likely, because different people um, process caffeine and theobromine at different rates. So you have different genes that actually govern these things. Some people are fast caffeine metabolizers, meaning that the, Mm. the caffeine hits them hard, but then it's out of their system really fast. Some people are slow caffeine metabolizers, meaning that it stays active in their system for a very long time. So a fast caffeine metabolizer would have no problem probably having chocolate in the evening 
whereas a slow caffeine metabolizer may be a little bit more sensitive to being kept up. And there's very little caffeine in chocolate. It's actually within the realm of what you would find in a cup of decaf coffee, according to the tests that we've had done on our cacao. Wow. Yeah. So fascinating. It's not much, but somebody who is extremely sensitive and can't get it out of their system for many, many hours, it could still affect the quality of their sleep because caffeine blocks your, uh, your receptors for the melatonin. So you have the melatonin floating around and it can't dock into your system to actually take effect. So it can interfere in that way. But for some people, they're processing it out and it's such a small amount that it's a non-issue, especially if they go with something like our Tranquility chocolate that in addition to the magnesium of the cacao also has several other herbs in here that it's going to help take you in the sleepy direction. Um, and then you have theobromine, which is the primary stimulant in cacao, but it doesn't affect the central nervous system in the same way that caffeine does. So it's much less likely to cause any disruption of sleep. Fascinating. Are there other chocolate myths that you're having to bust? Ooh, great question. I think the big one is that it's not healthy for you. And while that is in most cases true, of course, it's not mm -hmm. here. But that's, you know, that's a pretty simple one to, to make people understand as, as consciousness around that is, is really evolving. Um, a lot of people are wondering these days about heavy metals in chocolate as well. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of publicity around a, a Consumer Reports article that was published mm -hmm. about a year ago warning people about levels of cacao in chocolate. And it's a real issue. Um, our cacao, fortunately, because of the way it's grown and processed, is extremely low. But a lot of people write us emails and saying, can you please guarantee me that your cacao has absolutely zero heavy metals? I would love to. But unfortunately, we live in a modern world where heavy metals exist. It's You're not going to find really any naturally grown food that's grown outside of an enclosed laboratory that it has zero heavy metals. One, because heavy metals exist in the soil as a part of mineral-rich soil. So there's going to be some that come like that. So even if humans had never existed and never spread heavy metals across the planet, there would still be some. The other thing is that humans have spread them across the planet. So they, they exist, but you want to still try to minimize them. I'm a big fan of minimizing heavy metals, big fan of heavy metal detoxification as one goes through life because consumption of some, even in the air that we breathe, especially if you're living in a city is inevitable. Um, but I think it's also good to take um, articles that bring up a lot of feelings of, of fear and stress, like the Consumer Reports article, with a grain of salt, because they were judging things based on the levels um, recommended by uh, the, the California proposition that governs the levels of heavy metals that, that are allowed in foods, right? Prop 65. And this is not really well understood outside of people who are inside the food industry. Most people think, oh, like I see this label on my food, Prop 65 warning. But you also see that Prop 65 warning going into Disneyland. You see that Prop 65 warning going into a parking garage, going into a bank. Mm -hmm. The reason is that within the industry, it's, it's understood that they have set the levels for heavy metal acceptance so absurdly low that you can't even breathe air without going over those limits. And so when the way they calculate the safe limit for Prop 65. And this is totally different from like the EPA's levels for heavy metal safety. What they do is they take the level that's been shown in research to cause no harm. And you would think, okay, they set that as a safe limit if this is the level shown to cause no harm. But no, they divide that level by 1000 and set that as a safe limit. So that's why you see Prop 65 limits uh, warnings on everything because they're uh, being absolutely under for, for everything is very difficult slash impossible. 
So you have to take all these things with a grain of salt. I'm a big fan of heavy metal chelation, doing things like, um, you know, doctor guided DMSA chelation therapy. Um, but you also have to realize that the, the same warnings that were given with major fear about chocolate in that consumer reports article could have been done about pretty much any food in the health food store where you shop. They just happen to focus on chocolate. Yeah. And what you should be more concerned with is the pots and pans that people are preparing your food with. 100%. Um, you know, there's, or you just need to go out and travel the world and see what's happening in other places. And you'll quickly learn that the chocolate or a lot of the foods that you're purchasing within the United States are a lot safer um, than you realized. Yeah. And it's not to say that people shouldn't try to minimize the heavy metals that they're consuming. I I'm a hundred percent for that. That's what I do myself. And I think it's great, but don't miss out on amazing nutritional and health benefits in the search for absolute zero heavy metals. Cause if you're only eating foods with zero heavy metals, you might start, you might not find anything to eat. Chocolate continues to be a kind of a tool people use, I would say in spirituality and wellness, um, at spiritual and wellness events. Is there any place that you keep turning to kind of grow your health and wellness knowledge, your spiritual knowledge, anything that you're super into right now? Yeah, for in, in the area of health and wellness knowledge, I'm I'm just really into reading scientific literature, published published studies, um, because it it kind of hits there before it's going to hit the mainstream awareness. So I, I like to try to really be on the cutting edge, especially around the things that I'm most excited about being adaptogens and cacao and nutrition, but also other wellness practices like sauna and cold exposure, red light therapy, different training and methodologies. So I love getting right into that and, and getting into PubMed and, and seeing what are the latest studies that I can find and get into and start to understand more. I also love listening to and reading interviews with the people who are doing this research, because often there you can start to get some insights even before it's hit the published research. So I, I find that very cool. And, and I have huge respect for people who are doing so much hard work to bring us knowledge about how to access higher levels of, of health and wellness. And I think when you have health and wellness, spirituality flows naturally from that. It's easier in a lot of ways. For example, in the Taoist wisdom, when you're under a lot of stress, they would say that your shen, which is your higher self or your spirit becomes frightened and withdrawn when, you know, it's not to say that people who are in sometimes in, in you know, health emergencies don't find tremendous spiritual breakthroughs, but as an ongoing spiritual practice, if you can have your physical health in a better place, it's going to mean your mental health is in a better place. Your, your heart tends to, to blossom and be more open. And cacao definitely has that effect. Um, it's something that, for example, has phenethylamine in it, which is known as the love bliss chemical. It is, it's the chemical that's secreted in your brain when you're in love. And this is something you can actually get also from a food. It's why we have that Valentine's Day chocolate connection. It's not just a coincidence. And then you have things like anandamide and serotonin, these bliss chemicals that put you in such a better state because so much of the way you interact with the world is determined by your filter and how you're perceiving things. And the healthier you are physically and mentally, it's going to change the way you perceive things and that's going to change the way you react to things. And so you're going to, if you're healthier, you're going to be able to react with more kindness and compassion than 
if you're struggling, low energy, brain fog, sleep deprived, etc. So I think it's a great way to lay a foundation on which to, to build a beautiful spiritual life. That is a really great a really great point. No matter what, we can control what we put in us, what fuels us. Right. Um, even when we don't have time to do all the other modalities out there that we hear are great for mindset practice, um, our food alone can support that. And the mindset practice will also go better if you're you're well fueled. If you you know you'll be able to let's say you're let's say you're meditating, for example. If you're low energy, you're sleep deprived, you're not fueling your body with the compounds that it needs, you're going to be falling asleep during your meditation. But if your energy production is spot on, your mitochondria are firing, you're consuming adaptogenic herbs to build your chi so you have great energy, you're going to be having incredible focus and your, your meditation is going to be just magnified in its potency. Oh my God, I love that. I'm like ready to go out and buy a bunch of those mushrooms that you mentioned. Like, let's go. Yeah, and, and you know, it all, just a reminder for people, it only takes one. You, you can just start with one. And I even recommend starting with one because with trying something new, whether it's a supplement or an adaptogenic herb or a new superfood, whatever it may be, I like to start taking it on its own. Take maybe half a teaspoon in a cup of warm water and just sit somewhere quiet and drink it like that. And, kind of, and you can meditate or just, you know, be still with it for a little while. Really pay close attention to how it's affecting your state of being physically, spiritually, mentally, because a lot of people will go buy like some adaptogen blend. And these can be cool for just making yeah. things easy and fast for your day. But the problem is, I think it's like taking somebody on a first date. If you, if you take 20 different adaptogens all at once for the first time, before you've ever gotten to know them one-on-one, -on -one, it's hard to figure out what's doing what. And so when you take it one-on-one, -on -one, it's like having the first date in a very intimate, quiet setting. You get to know the other person before you take them to a rave and go absolutely wild. The rave is for later on. First date, go one-on-one, -on -one, get to know each other and see how, see how you really feel. I love that. Well, I'm going to go and I'm going to muscle test multiple adaptogens, figure out the first one I'm going to play with and just use it for a month and see how see how it all changes and evolves. Ah, keep me posted. I'm curious to see how it goes and which one you end up going with. Yeah, I'm going to re-listen to this episode and choose, I think, one of the mushrooms that you mentioned, Hushiwu. Oh, yeah, Hushiwu. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's actually a root. It's, an, it's a root of an herbaceous vine. Ah. And it's got a, a beautiful story behind it, but it's uh, one of the most powerful. I think it's if someone's been really pushing their limits and they need some restoration, it's a great herb to go to. I think that one's going to be it. Now, do you guys sell adaptogens as well as your chocolate? I know you guys you have do. a variety yeah. of things on your website. Yeah. So we have our chocolates with the adaptogens. We sell the a lot of different individual adaptogen extracts for people who want to get into using them on, uh, you know, on their own in their own unique ways. And then we make... Um, our elixir blends, which are basically designed to be the ultimate hot indulgence drink, but you just have to add a cup of almond milk or coconut milk and blend it. The sweetness, the creaminess, the adaptogens, the deliciousness is all in there. We want it to be easy on the go. And then we sell the cacao powder and the cacao nibs of this really you know magical cacao that, that we are so lucky to have. Oh, I love that. So people can make some raw desserts at home. With Absolutely. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that. Send, send us pictures of whatever you're making out there. I, I always love to see it. I get inspired from everybody. Yeah, that's such a good idea. As a chef, as a personal chef, I make a lot of um, raw brownies for my clients. Oh, yeah. That's what they really like because you can just slice it up, 
easily put it into just little bites. Um, but you just make one pan and of course it also freezes well too. So that's a great way to use good quality chocolate in a healthy dessert where you don't heat it. And what a great food tip for people to have, to be able to like have as a go-to snack when, when they would maybe have turned to something bad or when they would have grabbed a bag of chips or grabbed a soda, you get to have a brownie. It's definitely better tasting than any of those other things. And it's going to be amazing for you. Yeah. And that's a really great dessert that you can make or snack where you can add in additional adaptogens. You can add in, you know, protein powders or collagen powders or pearl powder. You can use a variety of nuts and you can wash and soak and toast those nuts and um, play around with the different health benefits of nuts and seeds. Um, Raw desserts are like a secret weapon if people are looking for a way to upgrade their diet um, without losing the satisfaction of having a treat every now and then. Right, exactly. Because you, you want to make sure that you're still having some fun in life. And fortunately, cacao is, uh, you know, it's the, the Latin name is Theobroma cacao. Theobroma means food of the gods. And so it's almost like it's been gifted to us to be able to really uh, have have some supreme enjoyment while staying healthy at the same time. I love that. Well, where can people learn more about you, Sage, follow your adventures, buy and eat addictive wellness? Please share. Sure. Thank you. You can find all of our products on addictivewellness.com and you can use code Whitney Aronoff for a 10% discount on your order. So can can load up on a few more goodies, get yourself an extra chocolate bar. And then if you are interested in this kind of stuff and are, are curious to learn more, we're posting several times a week educational videos on our, our YouTube channel, on our Instagram, TikTok, um, and would love for you to connect with, with us there and continue the adventure together. Perfect. And I'll have the links and the discount code in the show notes for you guys. And can you leave Sage, our listeners, with maybe one last health or wellness tip that they can consider adding into their life? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, the easiest one would be taking adaptation, but let's do something totally different. Um, fi- figure out a way to expose your body to some beneficial stress because we've heard so much about stress is bad, stress is bad, minimize your stress, minimize your stress. But if you have absolutely zero stress, the body doesn't thrive in that either. And the stress of trying to get to zero stress is actually probably going to be more stressful than <laughs> where you were in the first place. So find forms of beneficial stress. This could be taking herbal ingredients. Many of them work in a way that they slightly stress your body in a certain way so that it pushes back and and actually ends up stronger. Or it could be in the form of going into a sauna. It could be in the form of going into cold water. It could be in the form of high intensity interval training. It could be in the form of doing something that is a little bit more cognitively intense than you might normally do. Find some way just to put not too much, but a little pressure on your body so that it grows back stronger. Be like that wild grown cacao that has to deal with a little bit of wild stuff out there, some craziness, but then grows as a result and becomes more robust and can have such a beautiful impact on the world around. Look what this chocolate does for so many people. And you can be like that too. Uh, Take on a little bit of stress in a sustainable way that allows you it's what what's called hormetic stress and this is stress where you get pushed down a little bit it's like if somebody um analyzed your muscle tissue after you worked out they would say whatever you just did never do it again this is horrible your muscle tissue is destroyed but you look a week later it's built back stronger so this applies to several things like heat like cold like exercise and so take on stress in some of those ways 
and let yourself grow. Thank you for the tips today. And thank you for the insight on chocolate. Um, Everybody loves this topic. I love learning more about the chocolates that I like to buy and consume. So thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was great. Thank you for listening to this episode of the High Vibration Living Podcast. Please leave a five-star rating and review wherever you are tuning in from to help more listeners like and find this podcast. And if you really loved what you heard today, pay it forward and send this episode to a friend or loved one. For more Starseed Kitchen, visit starseedkitchen.com and follow us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Be sure to pick up a jar of my high vibration foods, organic spices, which you can purchase on starseedkitchen.com. You can find me and follow along on my chef adventures on all your favorite social media channels at Whitney Aronoff. Thanks again for tuning in. Cheers to you and your health. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.